This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader. It's been 35 years since Terry Waite was taken hostage in Beirut by Hezbollah. He'd been working in Lebanon for the Archbishop of Canterbury, trying to negotiate the release of British captives. Instead, they held him for four years, handcuffing him to a radiator, denying him human contact, beating him, holding mock executions. After his release, he founded Hostage International, which supports people who have been kidnapped and their families. Nazanin Zagali Radcliffe is among those Terry has given advice to on returning to normal life after years in captivity. He's also written books and given talks, and he'll be appearing at the Water Cooler event in association with the Evening Standard, which is free and being held at Olympia London on May 25th and 26th. He'll be on stage talking to workplace well-being expert Dr. Wolfgang Seidel. So for this special edition of The Leader, we're bringing them together to talk about Terry's life, how to recover from stress and trauma, the pandemic lockdown and the importance of simple gestures. You were released from your own hostage situation just over 30 years ago. You've talked about it a lot over those 30 years. How much... Does talking about it help you? I was uh, held captive, as you know, for almost five years. And those five years were spent in total solitary confinement. When I came out, I needed probably probably about 12 months to begin to return to so-called normal life. And I was very fortunate. I was elected to a fellowship in Trinity Hall, Cambridge. And it was there that I was able to put down on paper the book that uh, I'd written in my head during those years of captivity. Now, I was asked at the time, do you think that by writing about it, this is therapeutic? And at the time I said, no, I don't think so. But looking back, unquestionably it was, that by writing and by somehow capturing the experience and managing it, I was able to come to terms with what had been, you know, a rather strong and long period of deprivation. As for talking subsequently, I think by the time I'd finished the book, I'd got back into some form of equilibrium. And that talking about it uh, subsequently was a way of enabling me to use the experience uh, creatively for many other things. So I founded, for example, Hostage International, um, and I became more involved with the homeless and prisoners and so on. And that was a way of actually that bad experience, if you like, or difficult experience, I wanted to transform it, to make it into something creative. And so subsequently, the talking was not necessarily personally therapeutic. Wouldn't it be easier to 
put that behind you and never discuss it and never relive the things that you had to go through rather than bring them up again and again? Well, I suppose some people have done that. Some people can't face those bitter things in the past. But, you see, I, I have the belief that, and it's a very simple belief, uh, and it's, it's absolutely true, that suffering is a part of human existence and that people suffer and some people suffer through no fault of their own. And it's not fair. I mean, um, it lands on people unequally. But having, having said that, I believe that suffering need not destroy, that within suffering, there are often the seeds of something creative. And so by relating experiences of suffering uh, and then pointing to the fact that something creative can emerge from this, one has been able to take the experience and utilize it creatively rather than just looking back on it as a totally negative experience which should be shut out of life because the suffering was a part of my life um, and I, I can't ignore a part of my life. What I can do is take my life and use it creatively, which one has attempted to do. Wolfgang, how important is it that when people go through struggles, Terry went through an extreme struggle, but, but people will be facing their own struggles, that they do talk about these issues, that they raise them, that they speak about it with other people? Yes, from a psychological and psychiatric point of view, a lot of what Terry said resonated with me and is actually anchored in a lot of uh, psychological theory. But I'm always in awe talking to Terry, and it's not the first time that we are doing that, because I think uh, you can get from him, you started, opened your question by saying 30 years ago, and yet you can talk to Terry in the here and now, and he always reflects so deeply, and it doesn't sound like just a recall. It sounds like there's a lot of philosophical insight developing still now after 30 years. So that's the post-trauma growth, as we call it. And Terry himself said, there is an opportunity to make sense of suffering and transcend suffering, if you like, to, to, to use another word that probably Viktor Frankl would have used, the famous Austrian psychoanalyst and psychiatrist who was incarcerated in Auschwitz, and said exactly the same as Terry said. He said, well, I kept my head above waters by thinking about the books I want to write, the speeches I want to give. And then, of course, as everyone knows, he created that wonderful theory of looking for meaning and purpose in life. And that's another way of saying, you know, make something of, um, of the trauma. You said to Terry earlier uh, as well, David, you said, what if you were to repress what you have experienced and you wouldn't allow it to, uh, to come to the fore in a conversation? Well, I think that's not the that wouldn't be the healthiest of options. The body keeps the score. So if we repress and ignore, there will be other forms how this knowledge will be in bite-sized chunks, sometimes be quite intrusive in our mind or cause us occasionally to have the signs of stress again in our body, you know, racing hearts and sweating and so on. So it is, it is impossible to completely and forever repress such serious trauma. I often feel that it's, uh, the family who suffer very considerably uh, when someone is taken hostage. And 
on release, of course, the whole attention often goes to the person who's been captured, but the family are in need. And we were able, as a unit, uh, uh, as husband, wife, and children, I have four children, to be able to tell our story before trained listeners. In other words, rather than suppress it and push it down uh, uh, into the inner recesses of the, of the mind, to uh, come to terms with it there and then as best we could. And if you, I think the theory is, and I think Wolfgang will agree with this, that if you've had a traumatic experience and you suppress it and push it down, the, very, the chances are, in many instances, that in later life, it will make its appearance through dreams, nightmares, and flashbacks. And if you can come to terms with it, fairly soon after the tra traumatic experience, you can begin to relate to it and come to terms with it. You can begin in some measure to manage it rather than being managed by it. And I think that's what we did. We did get that help, and we're very grateful for that help we received. Wolfgang, would you agree that if you don't raise these subjects with trained listeners, then you know it will come back on you? You will have those nightmares. Are those things that, you, that you've experienced with, with your clients, for example? Yes, if it's serious enough that it meets the criteria of what we nowadays call post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, which was first probably called shell shock in the First World War, if it meets those criteria, then it's so serious that it will come back and it will come back when you least expect it. If it's, of course, a more generic trauma that where you were not at risk of losing your life or your body's physical integrity, that's a different story, that's a different level. But the seriousness of PTSD needs addressing, as you say, by professionals. But I want, I hasten to add as well that while professionals are very useful, of course, and they have their uh, hopefully evidence-based methodology and don't use anything else, um, it is any human being that is close to you that makes a big difference. And Terry was talking about his family. I mean, you prompted him to do so, but from his answer, I can glean that his family was very important. And we know that people who are, in the face of trauma, and let's just cast our mind back on the pandemic, you know, people who may have suffered domestic abuse, people who spent prolonged periods of time in intensive care units, uh, things like that, that all could predispose to PTSD, that the best um, pre uh, predictive factor of their outcomes is actually um, how close-knit a, a circle of friends they have. So if you have a couple of friends that you can trust and talk to, uh, the prognosis of your um, trauma is much more positive. So that was in a long-winded way. I wanted to say you're absolutely right, David, that we need to talk to someone. And you are also right that we need to talk to a professional, but not just a professional is capable of helping us. Let's take a break. To get tickets to the free Watercolour event, go to watercolourevent.com. You can also find out how to see other speakers, including people from companies like BP, Unilever, Lego and Lloyds Bank. Watercolourevent.com. Have a look during the ads. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Terry, the Wolfgang's mentioned the, the pandemic a few times there and a lot of people spent an, a huge amount of time just by themselves during that pandemic. Now, they weren't experiencing the same experiences as you had, but I'd imagine you must have some empathy for those people who were alone for quite a a substantial amount of time. I I certainly do, and I can understand how many people found that extremely difficult to bear. Personally, you may laugh at this, I I found it a great relief. (laughs) I wasn't always running around... And I was able to turn that, to do some of the things that I've always promised my And I wrote a book, in uh, a ch- book of children's stories, actually. I thought, well, might as well have a go at it. I've got the time now. And so, <laughs> so, I, so I did that. But for many people, the breaking of a, of a normal structure and having to find an entirely different way of living proved to be a very big challenge. And inevitably, you take... Um, you take a, a a deep examination of yourself. And when you do that, you discover, one might say, the two sides of your personality. One might say the light and the dark, good and evil, whatever you might call it. And the temptation is to be, uh, if you're not careful, um, to become over-depressed by the negative sides you see within yourself. And somehow, one has to be able to work to find that inner harmony. And I think one of the problems of our age, there are many problems of our age, of course, and I'm oversimplifying, but one of the problems of our age is that we are out of of harmony with ourselves. We're out of harmony with our neighbour, and we're out of harmony with our environment. And that is, we're paying a terrible price for that. And somehow we need to be able to gain that greater sense of inner peace, inner harmony, uh, so that we can then relate more effectively with others to find a greater sense of community and also relate more intelligently to the world, which is not just to be exploited, but is to be, <laughs> we are a part of it, and to be have that sense of unity. I don't know if that sounds terribly philosophical and airy-fairy, but it's what I believe. No, it, it doesn't sound terribly philosophical at all, but I am interested when you were talking about that battle between light and dark. You, at that time, were faced entirely by darkness, by people acting in cruel ways towards you. You were on your own. How did you win that fight between light and dark? And, and I guess the other question would be, did you think you would? Well, there were times when... I'll give you one example, one story. Uh, I mean, it's such a big subject you've raised there that you know one could spend hours talking about it, so I have to give you one small example. Towards the end of my captivity, I became very ill, and uh, I was so ill that I couldn't lie down. My lungs were filling with fluid, and I had to lie uh, sit with my back against the wall day and night, gasping for breath. And it was at that point... Uh, when they decided that they would move me to be with other hostages. So after all those years alone, I was moved to be with others. And I was put into that cell. We're all chained together. 
And I was really quite a disturbing influence, really, because it looked as though I was dying. And in fact, I was told later that I lapsed into unconsciousness without, without uh, I didn't know that. However, uh, at night, when I was really gasping for breath, one of the hostages, Terry Anderson, who was an American, American AP journalist, he just leaned across and he put his hand on mine. He didn't say a word. And, you know, I found that tremendously comforting and really, really helpful. And uh, I, I suppose I would say from that um, how important it is to have that sense of compassionate, understanding community. And where you've got that, that level of understanding that doesn't bombard you with words, it doesn't bombard you with, with questions, but just simply as another human being understands and is with you. Now, there are many other understandings and learnings I could take, but that's just one which I think was particularly important to me. And I think going back to your point about uh, isolation and about um, the, the pandemic, yes, it was a time some people found enormously useful, but found disturbing because they were being put in themselves, put themselves in touch with themselves in quite a new way. And for some, that was quite disturbing. Wolfgang, can a simple gesture by a colleague, by a friend, nothing too extravagant, you don't have to send anybody any roses at the desk, just maybe say that was a good job. How much of a difference does that actually make, not just to performance, but to people's uh, mental health? Yeah, that's a good word that you're using here, gesture. I remember after September the 11th, actually, the Wall Street Journal called me up and we were talking about how communities can heal. And we actually arrived at exactly that conclusion that small gestures that are quite symbolic help communities and individuals to heal and also to, um, if you like, um, uh, you know, celebrate people's lives together, but also share the grief together and so on. So that's the bigger picture from what Terry was talking about, about something that was very traumatic. And you quite rightly transition us also into talking us talking about everyday situations in the workplace. It's fascinating how much more attention people um, pay to their uh, line managers' behavior and gestures than we realize, particularly we managers don't realize what role models we are. And those examples you have just given, you know, put your hand on somebody who is suffering or just uh, mention a job well done means and resonates much more with people uh, than we think about. And the um, subtle uh, communication that unconsciously takes place between people is enormous. There's one interesting study that just comes to mind where they found that um, if managers have a bad night's sleep, there's more discord in their teams. So how on earth that translates itself is an open question, but probably not a difficult one to answer because if we are suffering from a lack of sleep, we sort of are grumpy and that communicates uh, around us. And, and Terry, you've, you've helped a lot of people over the last 30 years. Like you said, you set up um, Hostage International. I understand you've been working with Nazanin Zagari Radcliffe, who's just released from Iran. Do you go out of your way to help people in that way now, Terry? I don't, go, I don't think I go out of my way. I think it is my way. <laughs> 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 um, it's, 
You know, I've always had, uh, I, I, I'm crikey, I'm just an ordinary human being, uh, but I, I've, I, I've always had deep within me a, a, a sympathy for those who are on the margins of life. Um, you know, for the outcasts, for the people who are chronically ill and deprived in one way or another. And I've always had that. But one good thing that emerged from my years of captivity was that um, sympathy was developed into empathy. Sympathy is to feel sorry for. Empathy is to know what it's like to be kicked around, to have nothing, to be regarded as worthless, to be thrown out of a job and considered to be just well, useless. I know what it's like to be in that situation. And because I know what it's like, that's enabled me to have a much deeper and uh, hopefully more creative relationship with others. And so I look back on the experience of those years. My goodness, would I want to live it again? Of course not, I wouldn't. Of course I wouldn't. But having said that, there were blessings there, which I hopefully have been able to use. So you came out of that experience changed then. You didn't like try and go back to be the Terry weight you were before. You accepted that the, the life will have to be different from this point on. Yeah, I think we're changing all the time. I'm definitely not the same person as I was years ago. <laughs> I hope I'm a little, little more whole than I was, but I'm definitely, we're changing all the time and we're never the same. So, uh, yeah. I, I press on and hope that I've got another good few years in which to continue. When you meet other people who have been in hostage situations, how much of a, I guess, a relief for them is it to talk to someone like you? I mentioned Nazanin Zagari Radcliffe. What kind of things have you been talking with her about and what kind of things do you talk to the other people who come to Hostage International for help? Well, that's a very, very good point. I mean, I'm in constant touch, either face to face or through the internet, with people who have recently been released uh, from captivity. And there's absolutely no doubt that they do find it uh, a positive experience to talk to someone who's been through a similar experience. They say, yes, we can talk to X, Y, or Z, but they don't really understand. They don't really know what it's like. You actually do know, and you know what I'm, uh, the thing, sort of things that I've been feeling. And it makes a tremendous difference. And one notices that time and time and time again. If you've been through a situation, and uh, thinking about what Terry just said, how important is it that you, maybe even you yourself, reach out and try and find others who have done the same thing or been through the same sort of trauma or experience that you, that you have? How helpful is that? It's probably part of what you do to make sense of, of your own experience and uh, to find meaning, as we discussed earlier with reference to uh, Viktor Frankl as well. It is important that you share in a common humanity. And I think the other words I picked up from Terry's last statement is empathy. What an important point that is. And we teach that in, in corporations and managers as much as we do in personal life. It also reminds me how much more important emotional intelligence has become over the last few years vis-a-vis -vis, uh, IQ, if you like. And ethics of care has um, uh, taken center stage during the pandemic because it made a huge difference how we were guiding people and also how politicians were 
were guiding people. So I think, yes, indeed, it is important that we share. I mean, it's obviously has never happened in Terry's uh, um, history, but it's also important that we, when we are sharing uh, with traumatized individuals, that we do more of the listening than the telling, because mm. everyone's response to stress is, of course, very personal and is very different. And what's easy for one person to um, to conquer and to come to terms with could be much more a much more long-winded path for somebody else. But the one thing everyone has in common is that we need to, when we listen to people who have been traumatized, validate that what they are experiencing is actually a normal response to an abnormal event. And it's never a response that we need to pathologize per se or or, 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 help, or collude with people who start blaming themselves or find it difficult to come to terms with life as it is. So everyone goes through that journey um, at a different pace and in a different way. And that's the leader. We're back on Monday at 4pm. Hit your follow button to make sure you don't miss out on our news, interviews and features every day. Head to standard.co.uk for all the latest breaking news and analysis. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.